Sorry about the food. Sansa, Johnsa, good soup, guys. <laughs> Ship it. No. Get high. No. Johnsa, get high. Not yet. <laughs> guys, uh, this is like the most <laughs> emotional moment. We've been catching our breath. The episode's over. Wiping away our tears. Book of the Stranger. What an interesting title for this episode. Game of Bones. It's the four of us. Just like other weeks. Thanks for Welcome. joining us. I, I just, I, I feel like besides the fact that words are failing, do we, what did we do to deserve this, <laughs> this start, this start meetup? This, this, this happened, guys. This, right the, the episode beginning. opened again in it the North. so fast. Again, and all of a sudden it was like, boom, John's here. No time wasted. The horn's going off and we're like, oh shit. And it's Sansa. Minutes before the episode began, we were in our group text and Hannah texted something about needing to start a little late tonight in case John and Sansa meet up because she would be crying and wiping away her tears. Then Eric Mm -hmm. said, no, 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 we have to record right after. We need your tears. Yeah. Well, joke's on you because it happened at the very beginning of the episode and then yeah. I couldn't see the rest the of the episode. episode to cry. <laughs> yeah. Hannah's like, I'm going to need 20 minutes, guys. Yeah. And so that's how long she estimated she'd be crying for. So I missed the first 20 minutes of the episode. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but I mean, it happened so fast. I mean, all of a sudden. Boom. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, John squad. And Sansa we're looking at each other. And that embrace. rolled up. Yes. They're talking about old Nan, and she says we never should have left Winterfell, which is what we've all been saying for a long time. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could quote that whole scene. It was just incredible. Do it. Can pies, go. peas, and onions. <laughs> delicious food. I spent a lot of time thinking of what an ass I was to you. Oh, gosh. Why are they giving us everything that we want and everything that we need? Only to take it away. We know these guys. Come on. No, this is how they operate. Eric, just to leave. We have, we, let's we just... have this week. We have this episode. We have this week. We have this episode. We do. That's You're right. This is the, let's just carve out a safe space where uh, Starks are together and Crone calls Burn. And let's just let's just take it in. And feel grateful that we got such a cool episode. This was a really this cool. This was the best episode. This was a really cool episode for me. I I, I felt we're going to spend the next hour in group therapy with each other. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I watched this episode alone tonight. Strike doesn't count necessarily because he has trouble speaking English. It's the second language, and I'm so glad mm. you guys are the first people I can talk to. Uh, did you guys? I mean, you know, did you guys see uh, the end through the tears of John and Sansa's <laughs> reunion? I'm going to be honest here. Uh, yes, yes, the end. And none of those buildings are quite up to are fire up to code. code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get all those fire code jokes in now, those guys. Fire yeah, code jokes are going over. fast. I think we might need more of those later, if that's a precursor. Did, did, did anyone feel like the Daenerys, I don't want to say haters, but those who may not be sold on Daenerys, uh, were sort of manifested in the face of Dario in that moment. And he I was like, so, yeah. oh my God. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved how, and we talked about this last, last episode about this being important, but I love how she did it herself. Oh, she it did so not good. need them. She didn't need anybody. She just took care of business by herself without all these extra things that could have helped her. And I thought that was so incredible. I wasn't sure for a minute what it was that she was going to do whether or not she was going to literally set herself on fire yeah. to try and prove to them just how powerful she is or the alternative which she ended up doing which was just as if not more so badass and 
I really just couldn't help but think of the prophecy in that moment to go forward, you must go back. And this was just so reminiscent to me of the end of season one and mm-hmm. her walking out of the flames. Jorah was there as well. The the members of the Kalasar that had decided to stay loyal to her were on their knees and, and it was just it was a complete tie back to the end of season one. And this like time it's nine hundred and ninety nine thousand ninety one Dothraki, minus the ones that were killed that are following her. It's no broken band of uh discarded, callless Dothraki. <laughs> She stepped up and she said, but I am, so I will lead the Dothraki. She's taking the Dothraki on a road trip, on a bus tour, on an Essos bus tour. I mean, that my question now is what's, what's her opposition? We know that the Dothraki are, I want to say, fearsome or, or fearful and skeptical of witches. And my only... What I can see as being a problem for for Danny is she really pulled out the magic card uh, to do this, and I mean it was a it was a badass move that completely got her uh, an initial you know something that seemed like everything she wanted, but ultimately you can't. I think it'll be through respecting their culture, which she clearly does, and it was awesome in this episode that she showed that. Uh, it's only through that kind of stuff that she's actually going to to keep this army that she's now got, um, in my opinion. Seeing that come back and in such a big way um, was obviously supposed to be very pleasing. And I think it hit all of the desired uh, effect that uh, the writers and, and creators and showrunners were, were aiming for. I was just blown away. The last five minutes, as soon as I think the show's going to end on you know some off quip and not be all that exciting we get a finale to rival and not be all that exciting <laughs> we get a finale to rival uh any of the other episode finales ever in in 50 odd episodes yeah it was pretty it was pretty incredible to sit there and watch them all bow to her and again like michael was saying mirror that end of season one and have her be once again seemingly reborn from these flames to kind of take over once you said she's you're not going to serve, you're going to die before she kills all of them. I mm-hmm. thought that was so cool. Yeah. She doesn't mess around. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't mess around. And they're all laughing at her, saying that how could she even think that she could lead the Dothraki? And then 10 seconds later, they're all up in flames. I didn't see it coming. I, I, I know that we, we theorized it, and there were so many different ideas, and the listeners wrote in in droves last week when we were talking about it on our second episode and we all expected Drogon to have some role in it but this was all Daenerys and obviously she had help from her young Dash Kaleen friend and you know the place was basically rigged to uh, that's what it seems like to me right like it was basically rigged to erupt in flame like it did mm-hmm. that's I, what I, I took away from it yeah. yeah so that, that that's that's awesome because she didn't it, it wasn't all on her own, you know, it was uh, with the help of her counterparts that she saw, you know, she called her Khaleesi. She gave her the respect. And I don't think it was to just try and get an ally because obviously at that point she had made up her mind. And uh, I, th- I think it came from, you know, a good place inside of her. At least that's what it felt like to me. And when she was standing there with the flames around her, that wasn't to me, that wasn't gratuitous nudity. That was just power. That was one of the most powerful, like, moments, powerful character yeah. moments. A character looking that badass 
it's just it it was good it was really good it was really really good shout out to everyone and maybe even myself a little bit who last like you were mentioning in our episode that we last talked about what was going to happen next when 15 percent of people said who cares this is boring because i don't think that this is boring anymore (laughs) yeah the the only thing missing was the dragons from season one but i think she she stood on her own here she did not no she definitely did not need them and I was just surprised that these calls did not know her track record for meeting large groups of people. And you just go back to the 13, right? And Karth, yeah. they were all destroyed. Uh, and now here she is in Vice Dothrak. And man, just that was, that was an amazing end scene. I will say that. That look on her face. It's going to be a good rest of the series. I didn't expect season six to pick up this quickly, but we've got John and Sansa together making serious plans. That dinner party yeah. at the very end was something that we've been just dreaming about. We even got Tormund <laughs> eyeing down Brienne. And- yeah. <laughs> I know you lay with, with bears apparently, pal, but I don't think that you're ready for Brienne. Speaking of that, face. though, I, I, I will say, though, <laughs> you mentioned bears, and uh, we normally don't do owns until later on in the week, but this one was just so good from Wend of the White Fawn, who said, Own to Tormund for the I'm in love look on his face when he first saw Brienne. Hashtag Bremond. Hashtag, hashtag I ship it. Hashtag he fucked a bear. Hashtag she fought a bear. So I tweeted back at her, what are the chances it was the same bear? <laughs> That was my. I wrote, I wrote down on my notes. Torment is in love. Torment. He fell in Brienne. love. I, but will she return? His his. I don't think his so. Advances his no. courtesy. That, I don't think so. It, my He's girlfriend. Like, what? I was watching with my girlfriend. She turned to me. She said, "I didn't know I shipped it till I shipped it." Uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 so fair. It's gentle. It's it's. There's just something about it, right? And and mm-hmm. he's a boy, and she's That's a girl, good. and they're at the wall, the end of the mm-hmm. earth, and. Hey, why the, the others hell not? are coming? Stranger, stranger <laughs> They're in a scene together. Stranger uh, things have happened, guys. You wait so fat time for John and Sansa for any Starks <laughs> to meet together. <laughs> and then they come together and it's more heartwarming than you expected. Sansa's just calling back to her adolescent self and saying, Hey, and you know, I've been through a lot, so have you, but we are you know, we're siblings, we're family. And the North is ours. Let's fucking take it back. Let's just take it. Can we talk about how incredible <laughs> she was? I mean, John's, oh, all of it. John's a lot of fight. conviction. John just wants to fight, him. and Sansa's like, "Let's do this." She finishes reading the letter when John can't finish reading it. Yeah, uh, sitting there convincing him that this is time to take back our family. Like we are family. Yeah. we're going together. Yeah, let's go fight some people. Yeah, let's I do love, it. She just has this incredible strength about her, and I'm ready for her to just kill everyone. I guess. <laughs> I can see where he's coming from. I mean, you know, can't we all, right? All I did in, in that life was fight, fight and fight and fight. He wants, he wants, he doesn't want to fight anymore or he, or he doesn't want to fight right away. He wants some peace. He doesn't know what world or he, he wants doesn't to go realize warm. What, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the world that he's in prevents that from happening five ways till Sunday. Um, but, you know, I, I do sympathize 100% with that goal that that wish oh, yeah. of of his uh, mm-hmm. but i i think i i mean i completely agree with you guys by I the end of this too. episode he's he's very clearly moved and sees what must be done with with ramsey bolden if not even to take back their home um but because of the threat that he poses and 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 dollars ed arguing with john 
this episode. Like you, you, I was at hard home with you. You've seen what's coming. It it's irresponsible. He almost says to to really to leave now. And and so you see that that in fact John's problems are not over at all. That was going to be my point, though. You mentioned Dollar said Sansa's mm-hmm. not the only one who wants him to fight. I mean, we had a moment like that even with Davos in the last episode where. John has to make some decisions about what he wants to do moving forward, and he can't just kick his feet up in a rocking chair somewhere. And and you, he mentioned going south because it's warmer there. It, <laughs> he can't go on vacation. He's he's got to make decisions about what it is that he wants to do. And clearly, there's threats from all different angles at this point. And at least by the end of this episode, it seems like he's going to join forces with Sansa and have Tormund by his side and the Wildlings and. They're going to have to rally some members of the North to take down the Boltons. Look at your cell phones. It's Bran staring down the Walking Dead. <laughs> That's for next week's episode. So yeah, John wants to go south where it's where it's warm. These men have just been burned. It seems <laughs> we're looking at a picture of Bran staring down the army of the dead from uh, next week's preview. And so, John wants there to go are so south. So many of them. Mm-hmm. The stakes are pretty high right now. Meanwhile, Sansa Stark, Queen of the North, wants to rally an even greater squad. It's like, let's take care of the Boltons and then deal with what's next. Let's all go south. She's not wrong. Like, it's totally a threat, but driving the wildlings south does probably work directly against what hope the wall has. What hope, though, Eric? What hope does anyone have at this point? Because we know we can't, you know, the men of the Night's Watch are not going to be able to hold this army back at the wall. No, no. Heavens, all 12 of them will um, unfortunately be lost in the, the battle. It's, it's, it is known. Um, you know, what, what hope I lost this episode came in the, the, the ease with which Ramsey Bolton killed OSHA. Um, that, that to me spoke, we were talking last week about whether or not there's a secret plan involving, uh, OSHA, Rickon, maybe they allowed themselves to be captured, presented as a gift. And, and frankly, this episode really tore the heart out of that. Any hope I had. Do you think so? Yeah. Um, you know, OSHA essentially, I am saying your name right, by the way. Well, now, I mean, we can go back to calling Yara Asha if OSHA's out of the picture, right? <laughs> I guess. Uh, OSHA, OSHA had a, a, a significant failure to to adapt, unfortunately. Like the way that Ramsey stated, uh Theon told me or Reek told me what what you did, how you did it to to escape Winterfell the first time. Um he was all too prepared and she had no extra tricks up her sleeve. So that was unfortunate. But to me I think she wouldn't have been so obvious or she wouldn't have been struck so soon had there been an actual plan uh, it would have been much more uh, mm, It's slow. hard to say, though, because how would the Umbers necessarily be aware of how much information Ramsey would know? I mean, you're right in the sense that he killed her because he can't risk that she's going to help Rickon escape for a second time from Winterfell. Mm-hmm. But one thing that – and I mean this in the best possible way I can mean it. I'm getting a little tired of – Ramsey being used as a device to just kill off characters. Well, as soon as she entered the room, I, I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, hey, I'm done. Like, I'm not interested in this scene. It doesn't end well for anybody. I thought more, I thought worse things would have happened to Osha, frankly, in that scene. And, and it's because the show does have this tendency to have Ramsey be that character that you just, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can't stand watching Ramsey. But he's on, sort of on screen. now being portrayed as the ultimate villain. 
And you know, it, first it was Roos, then it was Walda and her child, then it was Shaggy Dog indirectly. Mm. Now it's Osha. It's just it's getting to be a little much. Well, he's chaos, and and I know he is. Yeah, but that but a villain should be more. I I I I mean I don't I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. But for me, you're defending Ramsey. Go ahead. No, no, no. Heavens, no. <laughs> heavens, no. I'm not. Def- I'm saying I'm tired of watching Ramsey. I'm tired of seeing him. I prefer a villain that's that's a little bit more. How about sane the White and Walkers? Not just, not just used to. Yeah, they're 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 a good villain, right? We nobody knows what they want or what they're doing. Ramsey just wants to watch the world burn and kill everybody and make everything terrible. I don't think that Osha dying stomps out what could be the Ghost in Winterfell thread. If the the one that we talked about last week from the books, I, I don't think that her dying necessarily removes that completely, but I do think it it well. It first off, she's not going to be involved if it does happen, and it probably won't happen. But there there may be some kind of inward struggle. But like I said last week, they may just allow him to sort of champion, champion, champion until he faces down to increase drama on the back end of things of the season, you know, rather than to like, you know, how sort of Stannis went into battle against the Boltons already shaken. And it was like, oh, well, we know what's going to happen here. He's probably going to go into battle Ramsey at full force. Mm-hmm. And we we know that's going to happen now because the pink letter, which was parchment flavored and uh, normally sealed. <laughs> Uh, happened and it was even more violent and uh, confronting than in the books I mean this one was uh, they turned it up to 11 this was like Red Wedding eh, we'll give you some more and uh, the the audience was different as well see. so that also increased dramatic tension yeah come and see I mean this, this was uh, an interesting connection between the two scenes it's interesting too that you mentioned ghosts of Winterfell because John subtly mentioned that their father's ghost would come back and kill him if he didn't protect Sansa. <laughs> and I wondered if that, just given how we always say that nothing is kind of mentioned just in passing with no reason, mm-hmm. if that was a uh, bit of a clue to what may happen in the future. I, I, and I, I love that possibility. I love that. That and the line, don't you wish you could go back to the day we left? Yeah. My notes, I wrote, Bran can. Uh, you know, he, we can, we could see that again if we wanted to, if he wanted to, we could go back to episode one of season one and see them all leaving so many years ago. And it's, 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 it's amazing how things are, things that we thought were long gone are, are still within the realm of possibility. I'm not suggesting Bran could speak to those people and tell them not to leave. We know that events, you know, hold them apart for a reason. The past but, is written. The, it, the because we don't know what's coming next any of these lines could be a clue and yeah sure i'd love to see ned's ghost come and and, and wait is, is and that what you're talking about of, micah well no i was <laughs> i was ghost. not talking about his actual ghost i was <laughs> more so talking about what you were referencing zach in in the ghost of yeah. winterfell which is yeah, clearly a real person, but is believed to be a ghost because seemingly they're going around and murdering all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. But obviously, things are wonderful right now. I mean, we got the one scene and, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't expect it to go down like that necessarily. I thought that he may try and use her. But uh, no, no, no. She tried and, and she failed. Ramsey again, just... You know how uh, a wise man once said that we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. You think that he would uh, mm-hmm. he would take a few notes uh, from the page of a wise man, but uh, mm. I don't know. But he man. doesn't, and it, his father yeah. pointed that out before he was yeah. killed. 
and something makes me think that's going to be his undoing. Absolutely. Ghost kills Ramsey 2K16. Yeah, people Ghost continue to get fall hype on that. in front of him and it's 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 um it was upsetting how predictable or rather just predicted OSHA's strategy was, how simple it was um seemingly. I and, thought for and, a moment that she could maybe succeed though. For a moment there, the hope that she is could there. maybe pull it off. Yeah. Maybe that was more of me projecting my wishes, but I thought that for a moment there I wrote is she or I thought, is she gonna kill him? Like is this actually gonna happen? And of course not. I mean That would be see. amazing. We got that long shot of the room they were in and I was like, Oh my god, he's going to die. Um I, I don't know why, but something about it just seemed like the, the time was right. Well that would speed up season six, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But, but to, to speak going back to like the plan though, if if Rick and being in Winterfell is part of a plan, um, you know, Evidently, I would think that OSHA would have something a little bit more subtle to do uh, to to be the undoing of the Boltons. And that was not the case. I think that we're seeing a lot of things simplified. And I think that we're seeing the amplitude of the story just being cranked up right now. And I didn't mm-hmm. fully expect that from season six because I know that we have two seasons that are left. But we also know that they're not going to necessarily be full seasons. And we also know that none of those decisions are, are quite final but the trajectory mm. right now of season six is is pretty unbelievable. When you think about what we just saw Daenerys do, what we just saw between John and Sansa and Brienne and Pod and Tormund and Dolores Ed and Davos and Melisandre and Brienne, we're seeing so many of these things. The narrative is just being released. It's like a sponge that was drying up so many feelings and emotions. And we're only four episodes into season six and it's just being squeezed out. And I know that there's plenty more to come. There's also mysteries that we haven't touched yet. We didn't see you're on Greyjoy at all in this episode, but I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. If the grandeur of what Daenerys is doing right now can translate into the next season or the next partial season or whatever we see next, like we're going to, it's going to be fucking ridiculous. It's going to be riding on dragons. It's going to be budget increased even more because we have to do this right because there's so much responsibility to respect what we've built up. It's going to be fucking nuts. And if what Daenerys did in Viastoth Rack is any precursor to what George R. Martin is writing for books six and seven, good luck to the people creating the show because it's going to be a fucking... crazy time adapting those last few seasons it's gonna be nuts scene by scene this episode flowed fast like better to me than than anything else it really felt like you were being taken on a ride the whole episode well it started right at nine o'clock too which shocked me i mean normally we get about five minutes of previews for other shows and peter baelish is in the mix finally but does he i mean we know that he's working (laughs) and working he is but I mean, Sansa, his his friend and pet in a way, his prodigy in a way, his uh, affection. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's she's kicking just as much ass as he is. She learned from the best. I we talk about Baelish a little bit. I love when we show up with Robin exactly where he was when we left him, which was still really bad at <laughs> archery and fighting and everything <laughs> on the earth. He's just he's not made for this world. <laughs> and I thought Let's that just was be real. Funny. <laughs> He's not I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but oh, how God. incredible is Baelish's hold on the veil right now? How yeah. powerful that's going to be when it comes to Sansa. I mean, you what what happened with, with Lord Royce? You take one second to make Robin question their royalty and without mm-hmm. the moon door and without even <laughs> yeah. thinking twice about it. And what a powerful thing for Baelish to have up his sleeve as he continues to 
with these people that rally behind him. Mm-hmm. Just facing down Nestor Royce in his own homeland. I mean, un- unbelievable. No he had his finger on the pulse of of he he had he had control of that situation immediately. There was mm-hmm. no. I mean, you pull back the curtain on on the bird on this rare bird, and that's all that Robin can see and think of. And he knew it would be. And to the, how close that came to a journey through the moon door is insane when you think about it. How how narrowly Lord Royce escaped. And Death. he knows it, it too. He knows and he knows it. it, which is which is fantastic. It's a, it's a great ploy. It clearly worked. And Baelish is is again on top completely. I'm sort of in love with him. <laughs> he carried serious presence in this episode. That reveal, I feel like Aiden Gillen was just like, "All right, here comes Littlefinger." <laughs> Season six. Here he is. He he like you tweeted, Micah. That dude travels in style. His carriage was magnificent. His clothes were on point. <laughs> he was as dapper as dapper gets, and he was just like Robin. You know, like it was perfect, my lord. It was yeah. Oh, he man, stepped off the wagon and controlled the veil. Yeah. What was his last line? The time has come to join the fray. Mm-hmm. I wish he wouldn't have said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. the fray. I noticed that. It was a good play on words. Let's just say that. What what I want to know though is. What is his ultimate goal behind now aligning the veil with Sansa and the North? And what is he looking to do, right? Because he was in King's Landing last season talking with Cersei, really got permission from her to go and do what he wants to do. But clearly a united North would not be in the best interest of the Lannisters. So he's just continuing to play all sides to the best of his ability. And based on the preview for next week's episode, I don't think Sansa is too happy with him after what happened with Ramsay. Because she directly asks him the question, did you know about Ramsay? That's, that's truly the most surprising thing that I Brienne got out of the standing right there. I don't know, Baelish. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. always felt like Sansa is going to be his Oof. undoing. Whatever that actually, whatever that Yeah, means, you made a mistake this time, pal. Yeah, whether that's him in this situation making a mistake, whether that's him doing something because he loves her or not mm. maybe necessarily in love with her, but like feels affection towards her because of her mother. And I think that obviously we're leaning more towards uh, first, but I just always thought that Sansa was going to be his undoing for better or for worse. It's just it's kind of an unforgivable thing because, uh, you know, like he could have used her in X and Y, you know. But did he have to do that? Did he? Ha- and that was a, a true lion's den to drop her into, and it did not go well. And she is not going to be nice afterward. You know, just justly no, so. Baelish is the reason that Ramsay's asking for his wife back for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's too smart and too strong and too powerful to be messed with at this point. To not take th- that back from him. I'm interested though because the Knights of the Vell are going to command an army. You know, and we're yeah. still looking at two thousand wildlings plus whatever squad we're able to drum up in the north, uh, post. Uh, well, I guess uh, post uh, post pink letter. So um, again, I, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think there's going to be a struggle there too. Yeah, but I, I still want to know what his ultimate motivation is. Is it just tying together two houses that are related to each other, or does he now have some additional goal that he wants to achieve by retaking Winterfell? And having Sansa in power in the north. I think the best way to uncover Baelish's plan is to look what he's done in the past. And he's always pitted powers against one another in order to sort of rise from the ashes. Hmm. 
And uh, obviously that's what he's doing here. And that's what he was doing when he was meeting in King's Landing and meeting in Winterfell in the same season. He took a jetpack to both places and it was working out great for him so far. But <laughs> time, I'm afraid- Time like, really works just, in favor of <laughs> yeah, the right- It's that carriage. Don't, don't be- <laughs> It's a good carriage. Take it by. It's like Doc what Brown's- did I tell you? 88 miles per hour. <laughs> Locomotor. <laughs> Which is a great one. The wheels turn to the side. Uh, Jules Verne would be proud. That would but be Sansa, amazing. It's just poetic. And I think we can kind of see it coming. But but that, I mean, the fact that they're seeing each other in the very next episode, that, you know, you get this John and Sansa reunion, you get this plotting, this planning. It's very clear what they're going to look to do there. And then all of a sudden, she's with Baelish now. And he is presumably leading an army of, of men of the Vale to also uh, attack Winterfell or, or get Sansa back, whatever exactly his, his goal is. It's um, that this, this storyline, they're not really uh, slowing down with it. Like there, there clearly is so much more to come that they can afford to be so quick with this meeting. I mean, it, typically that would take a couple episodes for time to pass. Uh, for those two characters to meet again, I would think. Um, it, so it's it's shocking that that things are, are you know so sped up. It just seems like there's a lot more content. Can't imagine Jon Snow is going to be very happy with the fact that his sister was left to the devices of Ramsay Bolton. Yeah. And I don't think I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and rewatch the early parts of season one. But have Jon and Baelish ever interacted with each other before? No. No. I don't think no. so. So that'll be something to look forward to. Haven't directly interacted with each other. Not like this. I mean, this right. is this is no, no, certainly yeah. not as much as they talked about in this in this episode. Yeah, so I hope John cool. gets more aggressive. Surely it'll happen. And I think that he will. He, I mean, he just came back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, but I, <laughs> I wonder if he told Sansa. Uh, he, he that's must a have. Good, yeah. Wow. Wow, that would be a cool conversation to get because we haven't felt her interact with uh, much, any of the supernatural uh, yet. What's what's Sansa's reaction? How's the Queen of the North mm-hmm. going to feel about the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead? I think that's going to happen. That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly told her about the fact that he's already dead because it's a question whether or not he can. Li- I mean, he, whether he can leave. She doesn't question it. Um, so clearly, he's he's had that conversation. Like, hey, I was dead for a couple of days. Um, but I'm back by now. the it's way. Cool. Yeah. By the way, I want to see that conversation. I do want to. Yeah. I, I really want to see that conversation too, but they've both kind of come back to life though. You could say just yeah. out of their respective struggles. I know that Sansa didn't literally die, but where they were able to be reunited, I think that they both can share that burden a little bit together. And so I'm excited for Sansa to continue to light that fire inside of John for, for their family, for their shared their family, the Starks, and the fact and for that, and and they finally know, you know, they're together in a place of knowing that Rickon is still alive. Of course, Ramsay's, you know, advertising the fact, but that they that they are together and they know how many of them are left. They know Arya is still alive. They know Rickon is still alive. They know Bran is still alive. All because of the the conversations that have happened to them around them with other people. They're combining their knowledge. This is and and and. and Sansa is able to give a little bit of insight into what they're facing, what they're up against based on the conversations that the Boltons had while she was present or with an earshot. Like, this is great. I think it could still use some some more support. You know, get a few of the northern northern houses, get the, the veil involved before I'm completely comfortable with this, and just figure out a way to stall the White Walkers 
and then I'm good. Then we can have a proper, let's retake Winterfell. Let's get John and Sansa and Rick and all to like just sit there and hang out and be cool before the the threat from the north comes. But it, it'll never you know be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. Yeah. yeah, it'll never be that easy. <laughs> well, Come on, with the with, with the pace of the season so far, I don't. I'm not sure if it'll slow down. But if if this is happening right now, we're only on episode four. We've got six weeks left. Yeah, we have four. six episodes. It's not episodes. even halfway through. Yeah. yeah. So well, think about what we have to see in episode five. Things move. White Walkers. Touching brand, and I forgot everything else because nothing else matters. <laughs> I mean, do do we do we expect to see? Do we want to revisit? I know we said we do this next week. We want to revisit like where we think the Boltons will be at the end of this season. Like, I mean, anything anything good by episode ten, they're going to be dead. By, by episode ten of this season, we could see. I mean, based on again the 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 velocity, the sheer momentum that this episode catapulted. And the episodes before it, but especially this one too. Something about how smoothly it was propelling forward with Danny's storyline, with everybody's storyline. And there's only, I don't think the Boltons are going to be dead in episode 10. I think they're going to be dead in episode 8. And I think that we got season 7 to look forward to in those last couple episodes. I just think, right. I don't know. I just, just feeling the, the boldness of where it's stepping now. This is episode 4, and, and, and look what Daenerys was doing, standing in front of her mm-hmm. new army. And there's only one no Bolton, to be fair. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. like there's this yeah. huge family unless there's some <laughs> you know, brothers and sisters of Roos we don't know about somewhere. But yeah. but Bolton, Bolton men, they're Bolton yeah. men, right? Well, they're Bolton men, but they can easily become Stark men again if they want to. And some may already still be true to the Starks. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see how that all plays itself out. But again, Ramsey was the one. He wanted to be the only child. And well- uh, that might Not be a problem. Uh, you made your bed, when Ramsey. War comes. It just—it can't come soon enough. It really, his death cannot come soon enough. Um, I wanted it tonight, not for the first time, uh, but I—I uh, I, I certainly hope it's—it's it's not far behind. Mm-hmm. I kind of want it to be Sansa. Yeah, be I'd be cool if it happened sooner than their reunion. But I agree that would be pretty cool. I just want something that's going to really put the fear of God in him. I'm—I'm I'm not sure what that is because he is such a sadistic individual. But and I how could many opportunities see, has he had to have the fear of God put in him, and he's taken them zero. That's that's what I mean. Like yeah. he he's not very easily intimidated by much. But a dire wolf, mm-hmm. ghost kills no, white walker. Yeah. You got to go bigger, dragon or white walker. Absolutely, one two K sixteen. You got you got a white walker him. How about a white no, walker? Then he'll come back. I don't want him to come back. Riding a dire wolf. You're the son of the last true warden of the north. Sansa said to John, and all of our hearts grew one size larger. They're going to go back to Winterfell. Are we ready for this? They're going to roll back. We were talking earlier about going, quote unquote, back in time with Bran and telling them not to leave, but they're going to go back to Winterfell. And they're going to walk in there together. I don't know how they're going to get there or what it's going to take, but that's so incredible. And they're going to walk. <laughs> yeah. Hand in hand. <laughs> no, but think about this. You know, they take back Winterfell and that becomes their stronghold in, for the, in wars to come. the battle for what is to come. Yeah. Yeah. And I say take about take back Winterfell. Let's worry about the White Walkers after we can pull the North together. Ugh, and I just want Danny to Queen Ali San and fly like around the gift and the land in Winterfell and be like, Hi. <laughs> I hear you have a White Walker problem. Here's my Dothraki. There, there are leagues behind me because I fly on this dragon. Say hi, Drogon. Shoots flame in the air. Ghost and Drogon like wrestle around a little bit. You know how like strong animals like really like, yeah, you're strong too. Let's fight. And they're wrestling. And uh, it's beautiful. She lights a big fire so everyone can get warm. 
Mm-hmm. She brings a spare dragon, and John's like, "Hey, I can ride this can too." I ride that. <laughs> <laughs> Simultaneous with the momentum that's going on, we can and we can right really see Danny coming over soon, especially now with oh yeah that many Dothraki behind her. But in the meantime, T- Tyrion in her stead is proposing yeah. a seven-year plan, very slow, a seven-year plan to slow comparatively, of course, to 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 all of the the Slavers Bay. Like, mm-hmm. Eric, you didn't introduce it, though. You should have said, welcome to this week's edition of the Dwarf and Eunuch Show. Uh, welcome to this, edi- what? Week's edition of the Dwarf and this Eunuch Show. This is my show. favorite welcome, scene with them so far this season. I easily. just feel like at least one time in every episode that they appear, they're always referred to by somebody as the Dwarf and the Eunuch. They're crude peoples out in Slayer's Bay, man. And they disrespect uh, differences. They really look down on that stuff. And like the uh, Slaver says, I, I paid one gold honor for you, and now here you are, risen to the top of the Great Pyramid of Marine. And Tyrion's just like, yeah, that's how it is, and I called you here, so let's talk. I mean, I, I really admired Tyrion and what he was trying to do, at the very least. And, and you can't help but wonder if he's got something, or there's something, if, whether there isn't something to what he's trying to do. But I think everything in this episode with Tyrion, Missandei, and Grey Worm was excellent, and they're they're just not sold on Tyrion's approach, and that's okay. And Tyrion's not sold on his approach, but he had to do something, and he did do something, and I think that's the mark of a leader. I really think he's coming back into uh, his own here and using his own experiences as a sort of guide. Ultimately, I'm not sure it'll work. Missandei very well pointed out that he just doesn't really understand what's at stake and what the life is. Um, but you hope, obviously, that the men are going to respond favorably, that the masters are going to figure out how to do all this. I think that this is Tyrion give us, giving us a little Westerosi political science 101. And the whole time I was thinking, I'm not sure if I just trust him because I trust him anyway, and I'm going to be biased towards him 24-7, or if because I think that he really does have the skill and the knowledge that they need. I mean, they haven't had somebody with his savvy ever by Danny's side or fighting for her cause other than people who are here because it's a passion and because they believe in it. Not that Tyrion doesn't feel the same way, but he's smart and he has seen the other side of things. And I think that it doesn't necessarily make sense to Grey Worm and Mithundi. Of course not. Of course it doesn't make sense to them. They're coming from a place that Tyrion doesn't understand, even if he thinks that he does. Or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Or vice versa. But I, I just, I really think that this is what Danny's needed. This is what Marines needed to move this along. We need somebody who's had real political experience, who has real know-how of how to deal with your enemies, other than just trying to kill them all or take everything away from them immediately and expect them to kneel which I don't think is realistic. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see as it's progressed, the show's iteration of the Myrnes not because we know that they, they had a, a, a true necessity to simplify it for the sake of television audiences and just for the sake of screen time, really. I think it could have been adapted truly, um, but it wasn't. And here we are. But for the sake of what it is, though, um, I like the device here between the three of them the fact that they represent the different schools of thought in approaching this real problem 
and we trust each of them because we've we've spent time with each of them and we like each of them and it's fun to see them play off of each other but they're talking about very real things and and you're biased toward Tyrion Hannah I'm I'm so real on I caught myself I was questioning myself sort of halfway through it was just like uh well, what is the the right move here? Because there's not a track record of these people, and that's what Masande was quoting. Like they don't they don't honor anything. It's bullshit. Like we send mm-hmm. birds to talk to each other. There's no accountability. No one's on Twitter. We don't know what happens immediately. Kingdoms fall. Other people rise. That is what happens. And you can put this this seven year plan out, which I think is the smartest approach because it's not very radical. And I think because it's not very radical, it's the most likely to actually happen because at the end of the day, everyone wants money and they also want peace. So it's kind of a synthesis of both things. But at the same time, the nature of where they are, the nature of these kingdoms doesn't bode well for these Mm -hmm. kinds of uh, diplomatic meetings. And I think that Tyrion got as close as we could get but I'm not sure, you know, I, as much as we trust him, I'm not sure that it's going to work out great. I think that Masande and Grey Worm might have the right idea about this. But do I have mm-hmm. an answer? Like, do I? I don't I don't know what the right decision is because there's there's just too much at play here. There's multiple kingdoms. There's millions of people. It's a large piece of the world. We're talking about Westeros on and on and on. We're talking about one kingdom. I mean, there's there's multiple kingdoms, but we're talking about one capital. And it's not the same out east. So I hope that Danny arrives soon because I think that she'll help simplify things with that massive army. I think, I think so too. for Tyrion, though, it did a couple of things. Number one, it resolved some of the tension initially and placated the enemies. And yeah. that's what Tyrion is proven time and time again to be very, very good at. It also is a situation where seven years from now, who knows where Tyrion is? So does he really have to care how the situation unfolds and how it works itself out? I mean, I, I like to think that he's a guy who does care, but right. if he's back in Westeros, does he really give a shit what's going on back in Marine or back in Yunkai or Astapor? Probably not. So, it, and one thing I thought there was this line that um, one of the men had that was talking to Grey Worm when he said, just because your master has silver hair and tits doesn't mean she's not your master. Hmm. And it just got me thinking on a different level about how to perceive Daenerys. And I know that she, we all like to think that she's doing things the right way, but is she? I mean, is she technically Grey Worm's master? I mean, she gave them all the opportunity to go and be free, but at the same time, he's still serving her. So it's just an interesting take Mm -hmm. and and perspective to get. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's just sort of a, a, a big reality check, like a stab in the face to the state of the world because... Uh, we're we're in these very evident sort of feudalistic societies, and as much as as we would all love to be free and equal, the fact that there are lords or kings or queens and it's not fully democratized, just it's just it's not it's not that. You may feel that within the system that you're in, but they're all systems, and I think that's one of the greater points of a song of ice and fire, honestly. And you know, the fact that we're talking about it right now is. Um, is saying that the show is, you know, representing that in the best way possible. And it's good that they're representing it, you know, through through a meeting with the Masters, I think, and Marine with, with Tyrion. This could have been to the wayside because there's not a lot of, like, tangible action. This is talky-talky stuff, but there's meat in this talky-talky stuff because we're talking about it right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for, for, to my mind, though, like, settling this conflict, it's going to to mean that Daenerys would essentially need to remain in the area to enforce this for for seven years. I think that ultimately, regardless of how many whores you let these men bed, 
um, these masters are, you know, the only way they're, they're really fully going to accept change. It's sort of predicated on the threat, the ongoing threat of Daenerys because they can't topple her. They can't kill her. They can't defeat her themselves. They, even with the sons of the harpy, which are causing trouble, um, you know, there is still this, this feeling that they're clearly going to agree to this seven year eventual dissolution of slavery because she is still the uh, dominant power in the area. As soon as she leaves, I can't see that staying unless she, again, has this host of, of, uh, you know, this army that stays behind this, this warriors to, to continue to preserve sort of her wishes. I don't know if they're going to buy into it though. I mean, I, I like to think that Tyrion has this great plan, but it's going to be interesting to see what they actually say about it or what they come back with. I mean, they're drastically different cultures too. Like what are the, what are the, uh, what do the Dothraki care about the Miranese and, you know, the system of slavers? But, like, wh- how would they even interact? Daenerys doesn't necessarily... She didn't necessarily find the answers in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. But she got... She did get one step closer to, to home. Something I was thinking about while we were listening to Tyrion and Grey Worm and Sunday kind of talk about the issues that are happening is how awesome of a small council they are compared to mm. not to jump to king's landing but compared to the types of conversations that are happening there, there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but the types of conversations that are happening there versus the types of conversations that are happening in marine just so how real smart and passionate and real they are in marine fighting for these causes that they care about and believe in and are having real dialogue about real issues and then we yeah. head over to king's landing and everyone is just bickering with each other and it's like this is what a small council is supposed to look like with yeah. Real conversation and, and real opposing views instead of whatever this disaster of <laughs> landing is. Um, and stakes are just as high. Cool. And stakes are just as high, if not higher. Argu- arguably higher. Like we're, we're, we're in a small council chamber. Like, all right, let's get the army to come into the city because the high septon has got someone captive and they're going to have to march naked. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of people are being enslaved have been enslaved. They have an entire society industry built on it. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, man. And they're both small councils in this episode. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I really I really like that comparison. That's a great comparison. And just the one one thing that I liked also about this episode is, is sort of that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. And just to see how despite all the differences, all the incest jokes, Cersei and the Queen of Thorns are now going to be working together <laughs> against the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant, and how Cersei is very cunning in terms of being able to use these people's family members to her advantage, right? she Nothing that she's doing here is not for her own you know, betterment and, and her own family's betterment, and Kevin's right. part of that family, but she uses Lancel uh, to... Her advantage. She uses Marjorie to her advantage. She uses Loras to her advantage. And like you said, Zach, Jamie's like, oh, well, what I want you to do is have the Terrell army march into the city, take down the Faith Militant, take down the High Sparrow if need be. Better off dead, right? Something to that effect, mm-hmm. he said. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we, we've always heard how important family is, especially from Cersei. And she's really, really good at exploiting it in, in terms of getting what she wants. Yeah. I'm just glad that there's some movement. The, the 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 pieces really do seem to fit together for her this episode. Yeah, for and if I'm them. the High Sparrow, 
and I had Cersei and the Queen of Thorns aligned against me, I would be a bit afraid. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about this, High Sparrow. Your story was great. Your sermon was even better. It made sense. <laughs> <laughs> but how many faith militants do you it. have? I'm going to start because with that. Yeah, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. The Tyrell army isn't anything to shake a stick at. You know, this is a this is a big deal. The Reach is a is a, is a large place, and and they sit at the top of the Reach, and we're gonna we're gonna meet the Reach. I thought we were gonna meet it in this episode with Samwell, but uh, it's okay. We'll get there. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of a little bit discombobulated thinking about how silly. Um, what's the High Sparrow like? He's got to have something up his sleeve. Like the gods have to come down from the sky to help him at this point. <laughs> but if nothing else, he's genuine. And I, I at is. least that's what I felt when he was talking to Marjorie about this passage in the in Book of the Stranger. He's genuine and that's almost more terrifying about the kind of power that he wields mm. than him using this for personal gain. I think that his genuine fanaticism creates this interesting dynamic because he's gonna do anything. And he doesn't have anything to lose necessarily because he's got his faith and he feels, well, he doesn't feel secure in where he's going, but I think he probably feels more secure than anybody else. And so I think that that makes him even more dangerous and unpredictable than he could have been otherwise. Yeah. And he creates a crisis of faith for ourselves because we're rooting for two rich families that enjoy finery and that are trying to protect the lives of a few people. Or try in trying to protect Marjorie from being seriously embarrassed and from their family's honor being smudged in a, in a large way. And the payoff, like the trade off, is like uh, death in the streets. You know, sort of it's mm-hmm. a small version of civil war and unrest because of what? Because of all the things that the High Sparrow spoke against, which look into ourselves, people. Like we all understand that he's right. Walk through a graveyard. Hmm. Book of the Stranger, verse 25, and, and that's what a song of ice and fire, and like the point of the kingdoms uh, versus one another and the peoples, like the overall aspects of, of life and death is, uh, I think, is what the song is, if you boiled it down to a few simple terms. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that a byproduct of what's happening in King's Landing is, uh, is an introspective look while this action's happening is so interesting to me. And Lady Elena... You know, it's very easy for her to say better them than us when she's talking about all of the death that will occur as a result of her actions. Mm -hmm. Kind of, I think, following, because that scene follows the High Sparrow stuff, you really begin to see, I think it it turns you a little bit, right? As far as it's it's actually, well, um, it's the Tyrell's time to go, almost. I don't know. It's because, you know, you want the Faith Militant removed. But then again, you look at them and you look at that amazing speech by Jonathan Bryce and you're thinking, oh, you know, how how can these guys not actually be um, if, if, if they're not defeated? What's the future? Because I think ultimately, you know, if, if things were to stay the way they are with the faith militant in the prominent position that they are, I really kind of believe that the kingdom would be in a holier place in five years. It's weird. It's like a, a lot of faith structures, morals and the system. It's great. But fanaticism and the overall judging and putting your agenda forward and shaping humanity around what you believe is right beside your morals is what they did in the past. And that's what they were doing with uh, the brothels. That's what they're doing with destroying the, the drink in the city. So let's not mm-hmm. also get too romanticized because he... Got our can never go back. <laughs> like he got Tom and Sierra, you know what I mean? Like we have to yeah, remember there's, there's push very, and pull with all fair. of it, you know? Yeah. So that's uh, interesting, uh, 
interesting I'm situation we're all Sparrow in. Is very interesting. I'm in Loris's camp. I just want it all. I just make it stop. <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> that was a really cool scene talking about reunions that happened in this episode. And Loris and Marjorie reunited like that. I thought that was very a smart move of Marjorie. It felt like she knew exactly what she was doing. Be able to get in there with her brother and kind of convince him to continue to fight. There were three brother sister reunions this episode. You also got Theon and Yara. Yeah, why was it called Book of the Stranger? Just because of the quote? The the line is probably it probably means more than we realize now. I think you're right. We need a good rewatch or two of the episode, especially around that part probably to jump into a lot of detail about it. But I just uh, was wondering, you know, it, it, it had that fleeting mention by the High Sparrow and the quote, and I'm sure we could tie it to other pieces of this episode if we, we give it some thought. But uh, good question. I, I honestly thought we would see a lot of Arya in this episode because of that, but we didn't end up seeing any of her. Ironic, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How about Asha having the same posture as her father beside the hearth? That was cool. That was really well done, well it. portrayed, well yeah. acted, and uh, Alfie was incredible as usual. And that was powerful, and I love the fact that he's showing up there and he's supporting her. He thinks that she should rule the Iron Islands. We know the king's mood is soon. Um, I'm not sure how much his vote is going to count, but at least for the sake of, to circle back to what we said at the beginning of this episode, we have this week, and for the sake of this week, she's begrudgingly accepting his company. You know, She has a right mm-hmm. to be pissed off. Good men die. Yeah, she does Her men. Right. Did you think that uh, Theon was in trouble at any point there? Like he made this whole trip back to the Iron Islands only to get thrown off that bridge by, uh, <laughs> by Yara? I don't know. She's one of the more stoic and dependable characters in the series. Ultimately, I think the only reason she didn't throw him over the bridge is because he said he wanted to support her. I, 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 I question, severely question what kind of influence he's going to have, how he could possibly help uh, her cause, um, you know, in the, in the upcoming King's mood. I'm, I'm kind of, because he's, he's an, he's an outcast essentially. He didn't grow up on Pike. He has no real stakes either way, but it it was the only reason she kept him. I I think um, is because he says he wants to help her and she needs the help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She loves her brother. She suspiciously accuses him though, too, of showing up, Right after Balin Greyjoy has died. Right. Well, wait till yeah. she meets Euron, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a coincidence That's for you. He was even further away. Yeah, I was like, um, I had no idea. <laughs> Definitely don't want to be. I do not think. I mean, he obviously said it, but I don't think Theon's in a position to desire to want to rule the Iron Islands. Still, I thought it was a big move for him to support his sister. I that that He's clearly so that clearly took a lot of character development. Um, over over a long period of time for him to be able to put his own ego aside. That's a big deal. That's well, a really big deal. I think the last time they were in that room together and he was given the sea bitch and she, you know, takes her fleet out as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he has I mean, come a long the way. Di- the dialogue was, was really, you know, heartfelt and, and meaningful. Like he broke me into a thousand pieces. I know he sent us one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of, it, it shows how far these characters have gone. And for a character that's not as prominent uh, like Yara in in this series, you know we don't we don't see her, we don't see the Iron Islands every episode, uh, at all, or even you know some seasons. But the fact that that this dialogue was able to happen, and I I think this this was well handled. I've criticized in the past, but this this scene uh was well handled, and I'm looking forward to the the forthcoming 
ceremonies uh, at the Iron Islands. My question is, if Yara does win Iron Islands, will she? Will we only see her standing in front of the fireplace like we did her father? Will she be permanently? <sighs> that seems to be their fate. Yeah, to be sitting there forever, forever in front of the embers. Up there, though, you know, come mm-hmm. on. Well, I hope to talk more about what she may end up doing on our uh, next episode this week because mm. it's I think it'd be really interesting to see how she plays into a character that was removed if, if that ends up happening but it seems to be like hinting in that direction which would be fucking crazy mm-hmm. so I, I don't know I'm just really excited about everything uh, at the Iron Islands Pike is cool the Greyjoys are even cooler it's uh, it's a good time to be watching the show right now because the pieces are just moving like while it's really fast in some places we still have that old hearth and you know we're constant it's dependable it really is maybe we can put our satchel of owns over it uh later on in the week yeah let's move there for this week i'm pretty sure micah is still retweeting your owns <laughs> mm-hmm. not sure if he takes a break during episode recordings what do you do what's your process the retweeting of owns uh i usually give it a little bit of time i mean most people do wait till the end of the episode unless there's something that they really feel like they can't uh, wait and, and kind of hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I usually give it a couple minutes after the episode airs and then I start going through and um, retweeting and then it starts to get to the point where I'm looking at the at replies and it's like 101 <laughs> new tweets and <laughs> too much at once. I might have to take a little bit of a break and, yeah. and then, you know, take a look during our, our recording sometimes and then go back to it after we're done recording and, and retweet a few more. Let me ask you this. What do you look for in an own? What do I look for in an own? It it just, it has to be unique. It can't just be like, I give the own to Sansa because she's Sansa, you know? Like, yeah, that was my own. own. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, Eric Dude, and I Sansa because she's joke. Sansa, right, Hannah? I mean, come All on. Right. Well, Literally perfect example was what, I, was what I read earlier from... When, when, the white fawn. when to the white fawn, you yeah. know, it, it has a little bit more thought to it than just describing exactly what happened on TV. That, that's probably a better way of putting it. You can't just, you know, it, you can pick moments, but I mean, I'm looking for something a little bit more like get a creative hashtag, make a funny joke. Uh, okay, Micah, I'm going to try and live up to your, to your yeah, standards now. I'm going to redevise my own. I'm going to try and... So something that happened on TV, but kind of add a little bit of insight and then do a creative hashtag. All right, here we go. Uh, my own goes to Jor Mormont's open sleeve uh, because it betrayed because it betrayed him. Uh, in in that uh, it it show uh, showed his it revealed his affliction to his close companion, close meaning proximity. And that was the right thing to do. Uh, not that he would have done it himself, but uh, when you're working together that closely, you uh, should probably reveal. You should probably be more honest. So uh, Jorah's grayscale uh, hashtag. Kyra's mm-hmm. candy corner. Two Don't steal days. somebody else's now. Best Don't friend. go on and start looking. No, I, I screw that up. But whatever. Michael would not retweet Jorah. that on. Yeah. Own a, sl- a sleeve, Mormon. I, I don't know. Did it pass, Micah? It's more of an email, own Eric. Honestly, yeah, there's no, that was not. We, we do accept those. Less. We do, we do accept those. As well. <laughs> this is a joke, not really. My own was going to be basically Sansa for being Sansa, so <laughs> I can take that away from me. But I do want to give my own to to Sansa for when she and John are having that conversation, and John says that 
he fought and he lost and he doesn't want to go fight anymore. She basically says, well, I'll do it myself if I have to. Mm-hmm. And that's my girl. You go, girl. You should have said you and what army, and then she <laughs> should have had to come up with the right answer. But <laughs> come on, Eric. He didn't. Let's also so. have her moment. Uh, okay. For me, this is tough because uh, we all saw the episode. We all know. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good That's a good episode four. So let me try. Let me try. There's a lot of stuff that comes to mind. Baelish, Jario doing what they did. I mean, that was pretty ballsy. Um, Ramsey's letter. I was pretty, you know, that was something. His skin is on my floor. Come and see. You will watch as I skin them living. Come and see. You will watch as what I do to Sansa. Come and see. That was pretty something. All right. But I think it has to go to Brienne for standing face to face with Stannis's two biggest supporters and saying, oh, after oh. I executed him or before I executed him, he admitted to it, just staring him down that it was blood magic and looks at Melisandre like, hey, you, you did it. Davos, I know everyone <laughs> likes you, but I'm not sure if I do. Yeah. You, me, after school. <laughs> the swing sets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Behind the, behind the, uh, the bleachers? Wait. No, I was going to say tetherball. What? <laughs> sorry, tether I kind of got beat up on I'm the tetherball court when she was in school. Yeah. school. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I like that, Zach. Thanks, I, man. And I agree. It's a hard episode uh, to to just pull one. Um, I I could give it to Dario for his riding dragons joke mm-hmm. that Jorah just couldn't compute for some reason, but then finally <laughs> caught on to at the end. That was. Um, but I'm actually yeah. going to give it. I'm actually going to go ahead and give it to Grandmeister Pycelle <laughs> for taking his sweet ass time to walk out of the room when look? Cersei showed up. I'm old. I can do this. <laughs> And we know how fast he can actually yeah. move. I feel like his chains were setting up Old Town pretty hard. It's like, man, he's got mm-hmm. a lot of chains. Yeah. He just <laughs> took his freaking time. That's really funny. Well, well, you got a few more days to get your own Zen people. We're going to read them with song and dance. You can't steal any of ours unless you really want to. Please don't. <laughs> please, please, sweet and Sansa gets the own for being Sansa. <laughs> unless we stole yours first. By now, you may know the drill. If you don't, here's how. You tweeted us over on Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns, just at Reply Game of Owns. Say, hey, my own is this. We will save it and put it in our bag. Alternatively, email contact at gameofowns.com for those longer owns like the one I had. And on Facebook, you can scroll upon our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. You'll find a post there asking for your owns, just like the tweet we sent out earlier. We make it pretty easy. I have to say. Now, Eric's a little bashful, so I'm going to go ahead and just update everyone on the progress of Kyburn's Candy Corner. It's a thriving metropolis <laughs> of a business. Oh still laughing about it. <laughs> All right. There are currently hundreds of likes on Facebook after the barren wasteland that was last week and uh, several Photoshop renditions of just what Kyburn's Candy Corner is. Thank you for participating, everyone. This has been too much fun. Literally too much. New inventory is continually uh, being updated uh, and, and added to the stock of Kyburn's Candy Corner. All cues, by the way. Um, it, not much else to say. Yeah. Thank you all uh, for your weird senses of humor who seem to think that my last-minute guess could have been anything popular or successful. I wanted 28 people. I'm pretty sure we have 228 people. So Nice. It's nice. And... After you're done visiting Kybert's Candy Corner. At the corner of Flea Bottom and Three Whores Way across from Janelle. <laughs> you can head on over to patreon.com slash goo. 
give a listen to our uh, Squad of Ice and Fire podcast. It's Hannah's favorite. Soon be renamed Kyburn's Candy Squadcast. Something. Or or Quadcast. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get tired of replacing the letters C and K with Q. Trust me, I'm already sick of it. I'm not. (laughs) Okay, Hannah. You take the reins. You can go over to patreon.com slash goo and subscribe to Squad of Ice and Fire. And one other way that you can uh, support our show is by heading on over to iTunes and rating and reviewing. I think that's how you say it. Sounds a little weird when you add the INGs on the end. But anyway, uh, rate and review the show in the month of May. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. It is a great way for other people to find out that we exist. And so we thank you in advance for leaving your rates and reviews. That sounds even weirder. But... uh <laughs> It's hard to do this iTunes blog at 11.57 at night. Yeah, it's not easy. uh, We've we've just talked many times about how a lot of uh, listeners have found out about Game of Owns through these iTunes reviews, and they take all of your recommendations very seriously. So, you know, have fun with it. In preparation for the second episode of this week, which we're going to have a lot to talk about, a lot of stuff was left on the table. Uh, from this episode just because i think you know by nature of what happened in this episode uh we kind of dominated a lot of different points of conversations but um that's okay all right well, there's more time to be dedicated to it and we would like for you to help us with this discussion we've been doing it now for the past handful of weeks and more so than than any season there have been new less new listeners joining the fray not to borrow a line from Peter Baelish, but it's been a it's been a really exciting year in that regard. So we've taken sort of our internal discussion and brought it forward. So if you go to watchersonthewall.com, I, at some point this week, probably on Tuesday night, we're going to have another batch of questions that will be tallying up your input and uh, factoring those things in for part of our discussion on the episode later in the week. And with the stakes being so high right now, moving into the fifth episode, just from that screenshot that I texted everyone mid-recording for what Brand is seeing, there's a lot of uh, speculation and theorizing moving forward. And I don't know how many opportunities we're going to get. Uh, we haven't had real opportunities like this in the past because because there's always been a companion to the series. So this is a really fun time. So we appreciate you guys joining in on the conversation with us. Yeah. Well, like the men of the North, we must now band together and defeat our common enemy, which I assume in this metaphor is (laughs) the time between now and the next time when we get to record together. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. Um, We want to thank everybody for for listening and uh, definitely don't forget to own us and patron us and rate and review us and uh, we'll see you later in the week visit Kyber's Candy Corner Corner of Flea Bottom and Three Horse Way across from Gin Alley Cotton candy now in stock. Coffee cakes. this week. <laughs> Coffee cakes. And no croissant. And no croissant. And no croissant. We're fresh out.
Mises Barbecue. Mm. <laughs> Coming next week. <laughs> it's a food truck right with fresh cowbobs. <laughs>